the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Aaron Pym, and I'm the producer of the theatrical variety show, The Bedpost Sex Show. Here at the podcast, I invite guests and performers from the stage show and beyond to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. Today, I have special guest. She's a, our, this is her third time on the it's podcast. Third time. Yep. Her name is Leah Laronowitz. It's true. Welcome, Leah. Is, hi. That's you? That's <laughs> me? That is indeed my given name, unfortunately. <laughs> I love it. It's a lovely name. Do you, I think it's clunky as shit. You definitely had to tell me how to say it. Oh, yeah. But No one knows how to say it. Like, the first time that I had to say your name, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, just give it to me, because <laughs> I don't just know. Just full force. Just tell me. All 12 fucking letters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All 12 letters. Oh, that's the last name. Yeah. Yeah, and then you hitch on the, the first three. That's why it's the first name so short. Because my mom was like, you have such a long last name that no one can say yeah. that I have to give you a short first name. Yeah. So that was what that's about. And for me, though, like once someone teaches me how mm-hmm. to say their the name, I will their name. I will never forget it. That's good. So now anytime I see I'm like, Leah Laronowitz, everybody. That's like, amazing. I like, that's amazing. like it's no problem. That's, that's how, mm, excuse me. <laughs> amazing talent. <laughs> we, uh, we always chat like pre and and post yep. podcast yep, um so we're we're talking uh and i thought we should probably turn on the mic uh yep. we're just saying Good idea. Uh, we're talking about uh full out anal sex yes yeah full out full out, <laughs> full out. do it full out full on full on uh, be- because you're just saying, was I still out of work? And I, I, and I <laughs> and was happy to tell you that I'm not out of work. <laughs> you're now in the anal sex, uh, department uh, yeah. in terms of giving advice. Anal giving- sex advice department. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I work in sex retail, which some of the, uh, listeners that have listened to the last few episodes yeah. might know. Um, sex retail. And, uh, we're just sex saying retail. <laughs> sex retail. Yeah. Adult retail. Okay. One sure, might say whatever. if you want to get a censored about it. Fuck retail. <laughs> And people like expect you automatically to be an expert, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. on my very first shift, I was saying, I got a real doozy, which Uh, is nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. And it's so funny. Like I have not had too many other experiences like this. It just, of course not. It was just only on the first day. Some person is asking me like, what douche, what do I need to do for my butt? To be able to have just like full out porn star grade anal yeah, sex, real plowing, and not have any anything coming out, any butt stuff, any butt stuff whatsoever. No, and no I was like, duh, like I'm. I know a lot about anal play, but this person you said was like, I've tried a lot of things and nothing's worked. Yeah, that's the thing that was the troubling thing. Was yeah, because normally you would just be like, be thorough, dude, be thorough. 
But it's like, he's been thorough, and it's still a problem. And I did not know what to say other than, like, we had, like, the showerhead attachment douche. Yeah, yeah. And as I was saying, I, I saw a porn star online talking about anal sex and prepping for it. Because this is a professional anal ass. Anal ass. <laughs> <laughs> this is a professional ass at work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a professional butthole. Mm -hmm. So she needs to keep it in tip-top form. And she would know. She would know. So she was talking extensively about anal and about what she does to prep. And apparently she has a light dinner the evening before. I mean, she's she's working really? all day. Oh, she's that's funny. Yeah, she has she, a light dinner. A light dinner. So no burritos for her. I'm, I'm assuming I would only that's assume. what her idea of a light dinner. I don't know what she's doing. Wafers. She's having a salad. She's having communion wafers. <laughs> Milkshake. That's real holy, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm... Yeah. Um. And then and then she douches. Yeah. A few hours later. She With the gets, shower head douche. Yeah. She uses... Because she's got a... Well, sometimes. Sometimes. She doesn't necessarily use it every time, but she uses... She said she gets a fleet enema mm -hmm. from... Which is the enema of choice for people at the drugstore. Mm -hmm. And she cleans out she take because it has a solution in it. it has like a saline solution in it yes and so she clean she takes out the saline solution she fills the bottle with distilled water oh and she uses distilled water to douche her ass oh. and then she does that a few times mm -hmm. how many times i don't know she i don't remember more than once oh yeah Oh, yeah. Way more than once? Hell, Way more than once. Hell to the yes. Yeah. And then sometimes she says that she'll use, like, a like the bag, like the showerhead attachment thing, mm -hmm. and use, like, a gallon bag. Mm -hmm. And, like, shoot a gallon of water up there, and I'm sure she's doing the hold in and the let go and the hold in. Yeah, because I, mean, I was saying... go multiple times. Yeah, multiple times. Had. And then one of the things I have learned since, because you got to know once I had that question, I went home and Googled it as oh, much yeah. as possible. Fuck to the So yes. I wouldn't not know <laughs> the answer to that question again. Yeah. Um, and that actually you're supposed to hold it for... Once you put the water up there, yep. you're, you should hold it probably for like 10 minutes before expelling. And then you're going to go like a motherfucker. <laughs> and so she does that. And then I, and then she does that at night and then she wakes up the next day, doesn't eat anything and does it again. Does it again. Before yeah. she goes. And then. So much prep. To prep. There's even more to this. So she goes in and she gets this glass dildo and she warms her ass up as yeah. she says with the glass dildo. Necessary. Yeah. 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 So she warms it up with the the big glass dildo, and she said that she got the glass dildo. She always buys dildos that have men on the on the box, because she's like, gay guys know more about anal sex. So Yeah, I might be inclined to, agree, if to it's, agree. If it's recommended by, if it's got a gay dude on the front... Put it in your butt. Put it in your butt, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's... And she said it was curved. It's a curved yeah. dildo, so it, like, relaxes all the muscles, and then that gets you ready to go. So she sticks that in her butt for a while... Yeah. Before the scene. Yeah. And then she lets her ass, preps her ass. I don't know when you know it's ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know when. Because she's like, I have to warm it up. And then it gets ready. And it's like, how do you know it's ready? Yeah. Like, how she do you know knows, ready? I'm sure, but. I'm sure she knows. I'm sure it's just a feeling. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, is it just like an emotional feeling? Like, you're just like. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. And then <laughs> eight hours later, you're like, 
I guess I was ready for that, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, it's like, it's like, I'm ready for this. Like, is it a Zen thing? Like, when you, I, maybe when you feel no resistance, I'm sure there are a lot of physical kind I'm of I'm sure you just feel like you're, yeah, you're just ready for, I mean, no as a professional or, ass. Yeah, there's no. As a professional ass, again. As a professional ass. As a professional ass. ass. Yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> it makes the money. It and, pays the bills. <laughs> you got, you got to prep it. Needs to be fed and watered. Oh Lord, what a big like. Oh, it's that a production. Sounds like yeah, it's just so it's her much. job. It's her job. Yeah, right? and that's that. Like when you explain all that, that's when it sounds like a job. I know it always is though. It it's is always a chore. But I mean, now you're like, wow, that's a job. <laughs> yeah, this is the reason she gets paid the bucks, and they pay more for anal sex. I would hope so. They do. I would kind of hope so. They pay more so, for I anal think. sex because you do have to prep. Yeah. Do and they? Oh, yeah. I wonder. Do so they do? They give her more money. Yeah. Like, do they give her like the hours put into the prep or something? They kind of no. It's just a flat rate. Yeah. Is it it's that just, thought it's out? A flat rate for not. the scene. That's it. Yeah. It's porn. They don't and care. it's yeah. They're not thinking of how. They many... also don't pay for her. You know, the days she has to take off because of hemorrhoids and stuff like that, which they all get everything. They get everything. <sighs> Porn stars get everything. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw another video, too, because I am fascinated by porn. I, I watch so many porn documentaries. Oh, my God. I watch so much porn and porn documentaries. Yeah, both. Me, I too. I feel like just I just take it in. I just love it. And there was this <laughs> chick, and she was talking about porn, and she was just talking about, so what, like, the camera guy was just like, so what, what do you expect if you get into porn? And she's like, oh, first of all, you have to fuck everybody. She's like, ugly guys, good-looking guys, old skinny guys. guys, old guys, everybody everybody you have to fuck everybody she's like it doesn't matter like you can't just come in here and think that you're just gonna fuck good looking people you're gonna fuck everybody yeah and like okay that's fair and she's like and you're gonna get diseases Mm -hmm. she's like you're gonna get all kinds of stuff she's like you're gonna get infections you're gonna get hemorrhoids you're gonna get what is a hemorrhoid exactly a hemorrhoid is like a swollen blood vessel in your ass okay yeah yeah and it's apparently incredibly painful yeah more guys seem to get it than women and you it's just sitting around. How do you get rid of a hemorrhoid? There's just hemorrhoid time. cream. Oh yeah. And then I think it just kind of goes away. Yeah. Just time. Yeah, but you of can not sh- getting drilled in the ass. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's not the only way you get a hemorrhoid. Yeah. You get a hemorrhoid from riding your bike. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just like pressure, and then it causes like a swollen blood vessel in your butt. But it can be very, very painful. Apparently, I've never uh, knock on wood. I've never had one. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something that would happen to me. <laughs> I hope not. I feel like I've, I could dodge that bullet. I feel like I dodged the hemorrhoid bullet pretty easily. <laughs> I don't know. I don't write anybody. Didn't they used to say, uh, or it was, that's an old wives' tale, I'm sure, when you see, don't sit on that cold concrete mm-hmm. uh, curb because you'll get hemorrhoids. Yeah, I don't think that works like that at all. Because <laughs> okay, that's, how does I know, that that's what they used to say to kids when I was younger, too. Don't, don't sit, sit on, on the, the cold concrete, you'll get a hemorrhoid. Yeah, well, where did that like, come from? I don't even think people knew what hemorrhoids were. They were just saying hemorrhoids. They knew it was something to do with your ass. <laughs> yeah. And it was shameful. And if you had it, and it was like you can camouflage a hemorrhoid. You just don't tell anybody. Yeah, sure. So yeah. even if you got a hemorrhoid, who are you going to tell? But it was just like, it was a shame thing. It made no sense. Oh my god! It was just one of those stupid things that like kids say. <laughs> and what else were we talking about pre-recording? We mentioned we're both on our periods. Oh yeah, hell which yeah. we are. Hell yeah, we are. I-, I say hell yeah, not in like a yay, but like in a oh my god, like <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit. Why is it bad for oh, you? Oh, it's so bad. Really? Oh, see, mine. I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. 
Oh, yeah? So, like, every period I have is, like, it's, like, turning into a werewolf. Oh, so what is that exact? <laughs> what is that? It sits on your ovaries. So what happens is it, like... It's like when my body goes to ovulate, instead yeah. of the the egg being released into the fallopian tube and, the, and thus into the uterus, yep. it stays in the in the ovary yeah. and it just pops out the side and makes a cyst. It's really <sighs> fucking stupid. And PCOS. Good. PCOS. Yeah. But they're but now they're discovering because normally with polycystic ovarian syndrome, you have like you're really really fat and you're super hairy. Yeah. Why is that? It's part to of the, some with the hormones, the hormones, obviously. The hormones go buck wild. So, like, oh. a lot of women with PCOS... PCOS used to be a rare thing that, like, really, really big women who were really had uncontrollable hair growth, like, all over their body and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. and now there's a whole new generation of women who have cysts on their ovaries who don't have any of those symptoms at all. But so they are they different who, strains? Or? Yeah, it's, like, mutated. It's, oh. like, become... It's become... Because it used to be really rare, and now it's super common. Yeah, I know a handful of women that have it. And oh, I, yeah, yeah. It's very common now. It used yeah. to be very rare. Like, in, like, a generation back, it was crazy rare. So what do you do to... So it's just pain? Oh, it's intense pain. Intense pain. Intense pain. Yeah, I don't mean to say it's just pain. Oh, no, yeah, it's intense pain. Yeah, it's just a little bit. So it's pain and then... Um, Just out of control, like, crazy bleeding. Okay. Crazy... On your periods only. Oh, fuck yeah. 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 Oh, no, no, you get a regular. Regular. So sometimes sometimes it's just like you bleed out of nowhere. Because one is burst or something like that? Yeah, they don't know why. You just irregularly bleed. And and it's because it's so irregular. So what do you do? Um, they put you on the birth control pill, which is a problem for me because I also have, um, migraines. Yes. So I can't be on an estrogen birth control pill. So I'm on this shitty birth control pill. The progesterone one. The progesterone one, which is crummy Mm. because it's like, it's so sensitive that it's like if it makes you bleed irregularly more. So you're just. You're just bleeding all the fucking time. So I'm thinking we're getting an IUD put in because that's my only other option. So what will that do if you could put an IUD instead? Apparently it regulates the periods better. So okay. you won't have the irregular bleeding. Okay. I so gotcha. that'll be nice. And I won't have to worry about taking the pill every day. Yes. And rely on it to like make my shit normal. Yeah. And leave in doubt. And most people get other symptoms from birth control pill too. Yeah. Other, other unsavory symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. And I just get, and you get a lot of hormonal stuff. Yeah. Like, like I get bad, like crazy bad nausea, throwing up, uh, migraines, <sighs> It's like I'm pregnant all the time, but there's <sighs> nothing going on. But that is what it's like. The yeah. birth control pill puts your body in a false state of pregnancy. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Like, just fucking, just... It's insane. You just feel like a monster. Like, you just feel like a werewolf. <sighs> like, you really do, because you just are, like, bleeding, vomiting. Like, <laughs> like you're like just... Like, you're the undead. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're just like, oh, The living like, dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Fuck. Like, I don't like mean to make light of it, but no, that no, it's is crazy. like it's that's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. It's it's insanity, and it's like, and people don't really understand it. Like they are just like, what? Like what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, especially men. Men are just like, huh? And it's like, believe it or not, it's a bitch to have periods to begin with, but then sometimes it can be exacerbated Ugh. if you have like anything wrong. Yeah. So I don't know what'll happen. In the future, because I'm too young for them to like operate on me. What what type of operation would you do? If they did it? like a like to remove my ovaries and stuff, like oh. that would be like at least a partial hysterectomy, if not a full one. Which I'm only 31, and they don't like doing that on younger people. Yeah, and there's no point like really going in and removing the ov- the the cysts because they'll just grow back. They'll grow back. 
they're going to grow back. So it's like it would be a waste of time to put me through, like, abdominal surgery and recovery time if it's just going to come back anyways. For sure. Yeah. So... Do you have plans to do that sometime in the future to actually get like a hysterectomy, hysterectomy or partial hysterectomy? I'm not sure yet, to be totally honest, because like I have been thinking about having kids. Right. And I don't know. Of course. I don't know that's... if I will or not. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's possible for me. Like I do, like, I mean, adopting's fine by me. Like, I'm not one of those people who's like, I will not adopt. Right. Like, because some people are just like so gung-ho against it. And it's like, no, I would go through that if that's what it took. Yeah. Because... You just want the option to Yeah, have a kid I haven't yourself. explored it entirely in terms of fertility, but I know that with PCOS, like fertility is really hard. Okay. It's really hard to I had a miscarriage once, mm-hmm. which was just an accidental pregnancy. It was not like I was trying to have a baby. Mm-hmm. It was it was and I was on the birth control pill too, which is oh, the wow. thing that fucking sucked. So, I was on the birth control pill. I so it happens. Bleeding. It happens when you're on birth control pill. It does. Ladies. Yeah. yeah. Look, look it up. It happens. It does happen. Don't assume it won't. Yeah. Because it can. Yeah. Um, and it was just a fluke. It was just a fluke. It was the first and only time in my life I've ever been pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was bleeding irregularly, like in between periods. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why am I bleeding so fucking much? Like I'm bleeding a lot. And I felt insane. Like I felt like my moods were crazy like I was just like this is really abnormal this is really really weird and I'm bleeding so much and it's so heavy so mm. I went to the doctor and I was like what the fuck is going on and she's like you might be pregnant and having a miscarriage and oh, I was like geez. oh come on now. and sh- they did a blood test and stuff and and sure enough I was pregnant it was an early pregnancy it mm-hmm. was like within the first month so it was not so they confirmed that you were pregnant and were now miscarrying Yep, they do a blood test. And <sighs> what they do is they find... They can do a urine test because you're still excreting progesterone, which is what your body makes naturally mm-hmm. when you start to become pregnant. That's what a pregnancy test shows, mm-hmm. is that you have that in your urine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a blood test, and they found it in my blood, and they were like, yep, it's pregnancy. Because it still reads as a pregnancy, even if it, you're expelling it from your body. What was that like? It's uh, It's awful. It's awful. And it gave me a lot of, like, empathy for women who have to go through a miscarriage way later. Because this was within a month. A month. This is a month of pregnancy. And it was so much blood and so much, like, it was, like, clotting. Like, Clots. it was, like, yeah. long. I know like, what it was, mean. like, crazy clotting, like, tissue coming out of me. Like, <sighs> body tissue. And it was, like, I could see veins. Like, it was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like... Because it was the the thickened lining of my uterus. Right. So it wasn't... It wasn't the... Whatever was in there that was alive was just a ball of cells, essentially, at that point. It was mostly just this very thick lining that had built up over the months. So the veins that are coming out and stuff, it's the lining. It's not, like, a living thing. But it's creep. It's creepy. Oh, like it's crazy to be like there's there's like fucking tissue coming out of me and it's got veins in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it it made me and I felt so crazy during that time period. Emotionally. Emotionally, nuts. Like just out of control. Like hormonally. Emotionally, oh, just, just insane. Just insane. Just felt like I was like the world is ending. Like I just was like I don't know what to do with myself. Like I just felt out of control. Like I felt. As out of control as, as I've ever felt. Like, I just felt like I could flip tables across rooms. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't because I had no strength. But I was like, but I felt like, I was just like, You want ah, to flip a table. Nah! Yeah, like, yeah. I just felt like insane. Insane. Yeah. Like, I could just sh- 
like push over cars and stuff. Yes. And um, pick up cars and throw them. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like that. That was crazy. But it gave me a lot of empathy for women who have to like go through miscarriages later on, because you are just sitting on the toilet bleeding out, and it is just like holy fuck. Like, it's everywhere, you know what I mean? And it's just, like, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, you can't do anything. Like To speed just, it up or to make it happen easier you know, or quicker. You just quicker have to go through it. Like, that's what they tell you. Like, when I went to the doctor, I was just like... just have to sit there. What do I do? And then she's like, you just have to bleed it out. Like, and they do that for all miscarriages. Like, all miscarriages are pretty much just, like, you just have to bleed it out. And then usually you have to go to the hospital if it's, like, later on because, you know, you've lost a lot of blood or there's a lot of pain... So they give you pills or, or, or like more blood or yeah if you have to have a transfusion or, or you get low irons because I because mm. it, it made me anemic it was mm. that bad and uh, it was like holy fuck like I can't imagine what this would be like if you were later on a later you know, pregnancy a later pregnancy and you you know like especially if you wanted it like especially if it was something that you planned mm-hmm. you know cuz they say a lot of pregnancies end in the first trimester yeah sure yeah like, that's yeah they, they say that anybody. is very common don't that's tell they don't someone tell anyone because it could end and yeah. it's it's an like ev- before 3 months right yeah. don't uh, tell yeah. anyone that's don't a general anyone. rule yeah because because it could it's, it's a pretty know. high probability to lose it right there is there's a very high probability and not because you know you're doing anything wrong it's just a lot of pregnancies just don't take they just don't take especially if it's a first time pregnancy because the body just can't handle it because it's a lot of hormones it's a lot of growth it's a lot lot to figure out it's growing another being inside of you so sometimes your body can't handle it for whatever reason and it's just like this is a foreign entity and has to expel it or sometimes there's something wrong with it Hmm. and they don't know and you don't know that yet because it's not far enough along and the body identifies it as a foreign object Really? As like, yeah, it identifies the fetus, the growing embryo, as foreign, as something's wrong with it. Like, it, it detects something's wrong, so it expels it, because it's like, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's before it gets further along, because they don't do, they can't tell at that point that there's necessarily something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's later on that they do, like, amniocentesis, or, like, scans, where they can actually see it, mm-hmm. and they can actually say, okay, there's something wrong with the actual fetus for whatever reason so sometimes the body just expels it because it's like there's something structurally wrong with it like there's some it's not growing right wow interesting because it might be missing organs you never know like Mm -hmm. everyone just assumes that it's going to be healthy and it's growing well Mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily the case and it's not necessarily that the mom did anything wrong Mm -hmm. it's just that it doesn't always grow right like, I had a, a co-op in high school at McMaster University, and they have a huge neonatal unit. Mm-hmm. So we used to get all kinds of stuff coming down, and that's when I learned that I was like, yeah, there's a lot of pregnancies that do not take. Mm-hmm. They just don't, and that's why. Because they just, the body isn't ready for it, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, the, the fetus isn't growing correctly, it doesn't have the means to grow it correctly in a healthy way, so it just expels it. So that's why they always say, like, yeah, in the first trimester, you can't really... Don't tell people. Just wait. Hold off. Just wait, because then if you have to go through a miscarriage every, you know, you don't want people to know about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can if you if you want them to, but it's a pretty private affair. Like, that's the thing, was that it felt very private. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew, except you. Yeah, and my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was just kind of like, it was still really private. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still, it's like your period feels very private. Right. right, you're not experiencing it with someone else. You're experiencing it. It's another with yourself thing. in the washroom. <laughs> it was, yeah. 
alone in the toilet. Alone so it's the like toilet. that. It's like that with with a miscarriage. It's like you just you just have to go through it by yourself. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing anyone can do mm-hmm. or say. Mm-hmm. There's no like sorry out of miscarriage cards. And yeah. if someone gave me a card that said sorry out of miscarriage, I'd fucking <laughs> I just... cut them with it. <laughs> I was gonna say you'd either just I would fashion it into cry a shiv, right away or I'd fashion it into a shiv and yeah, put it in the fold throat. it up in the, in the <laughs> cone. Ninja star it. <laughs> fuck. So fuck like, you. Fuck you. Dick. Sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> scared. Fuck you, dick. Where do you get this card? Yeah. Who manufactured this? Who the fuck this? made this fucking? Why stupid... are there butterflies on the front of it, you fucker? <laughs> Did you think this was appropriate? Who thought this was a good idea? Just stay away from me. That's what that's what you should do. Say sorry for your luck and fuck off. <laughs> sorry for your luck, go away. Oh my god. That's what you should do. <clears throat> that's what you should do. <laughs> that's the appropriate response to miscarriage. To that, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna take a little bit of a break. Um, and uh, I know we've had a really light first half, but we're gonna <laughs> Serious. We're gonna get actually, legitimately, we're gonna get more serious in the second half because we uh, are specifically meeting today to talk about sexual assault. Absolutely. So we're gonna do that right after the break with Leah Laronowitz. Totally. This episode has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Enter coupon code BEDPOST when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive a 15% discount. And don't forget that shipping on orders over $50 is free in Canada. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. It's not, it's not sexy. It's not, this isn't hot. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we are back with Leah Laronowitz mm-hmm. of the Bedpost Podcast. Um, again, we're chatting mid-break. Um, I, I use, I so I mentioned I'm going to Oasis tonight on my period. Good for you. Which, um... Adventurous. Yeah, but like I was explaining, Adventure. I wear a menstrual cup. So it's not like I've got a string hanging out or... I'm still stringing it. Yeah, so you're still stringing it. Yeah, and I was saying I've been using the cup for like... I use the Diva Cup brand. I've heard that's the best. Which I've enjoyed. I haven't tried any other brands. I've heard Luna Luna Cup yep, is yep, also a very yep, good one. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that as well. Uh, but it took me, I've had it for maybe three years, but it took me a long time to really figure out. See, yeah, I know it'll be a fucking mess. Yeah, to try. really figure it out. It maybe took me like six months worth of periods to finally get it in the right spot Fair. every time. Yeah. You know, because it's mean, hard to tell when it's in the right spot. Oh, fuck yeah. And there are a lot of times it's where like you... It's like when you put in a tampon without an applicator. Yeah, you're like, is it up far enough? Is it... Is it in the right place? I don't place? know. How do I know? So yeah, similar similar idea it's with the tough. cup. But like, I would never go back in a million years now, I'm now sure. that I've got it figured out. Yeah, because I'm done with this tampon shit. Yeah? Yeah, I hate it. You should try You should try a cup. I'm going to give it a whirl. Give I it a whirl. Give it a whirl. And like, give it a while. 
as well, like, to figure it out. Don't just get... Don't do it for a couple months and then just... And then throw in the towel. Yeah, because legitimately it maybe took me, like, six months of periods to really figure it out. Fair to know. Yeah. So, there you go. It takes a bit of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we want to talk about sexual assault. Yeah. Do we not? Um, Who doesn't? Where are... (laughs) Who doesn't? Do either of us really? Um, yeah. (laughs) No, we do. We do. Um, Though it's obviously not a super fun thing to talk about. No, but it's But it's an, it's an important thing to talk about. Yeah, it's important and it's interesting and it's something and, that happens to a lot of people. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And can hopefully help a lot of people. Oh, speaking of, uh, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to a listener. Sure. Um, speaking of, uh, I don't know if I've helped her in any way, but uh, somebody wrote me a very nice message That's on cool. Instagram recently. She's from Michigan. That's wild. And uh, she just said that she really likes the podcast, and she kind of grew up in a conservative type of family or community. Yeah. Uh, and she's kind of in a hole about sex and sexuality. Yeah. Her words. Um, and that this is really helping her uh, open up and, That's really uh, amazing. you know, learn That's about really cool. and hear about, you know, people's experiences. Uh, That's great. And stuff like that. That's great. So hi to her. Um, Hello. Hi to ho. Hi to he. <laughs> Hey, hey. Michigan lady. <laughs> Michigan lady. Yeah. So yeah, maybe uh, somebody else listening, this will benefit them in yeah, some way. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna, pre- I'm not gonna be like, oh, this is gonna help everybody or something. Like, I'm not on some grand mission or yeah, anything like that. No, but but if it does, sure. And I know myself as like a, a sexual assault survivor. It's like when I hear other people talk about their experiences and they're honest about it, mm-hmm. and they're just like, you know really real and open about it, it always makes me feel better. Yeah. It about makes... about your experience? Yeah, and about talking about it and about, like, the aftermath and stuff like that, you know? Like, it's just... Because there's no real manual to, like, guide you through this. Not that I would expect there to necessarily be one because everyone's experience is so radically different mm-hmm. and everybody reacts to it different. And yet, at the same time, there's, like, things that are similar you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like everybody everybody who's been sexually assaulted, it's like they... It's completely different and yet completely the same. Mm-hmm. There's there's things that they can we can all relate to, and there's also things that, you know, are completely our own and completely separate. So no two people who have been sexually assaulted have the identical experience. They can have very similar experiences, but nothing's identical. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's definitely things that, like... Like, just recently... Like there's something that I used to do that I've stopped doing, thankfully, was I would look up my rapist on social media. Wow. Um, which was not something that I am, like, proud of, mm-hmm. but it's something that happened sort of accidentally because uh, a while ago on Facebook, Facebook recommended him as a friend. Ugh. Thanks, Facebook. I know, I know. And at the same time, it's like, I know Facebook's not a person. They don't know you. They don't know this whole thing. Like, it's weird to get mad at Facebook because it's like, Facebook is not a sentient thing, thank Christ. It's just this thing. But I noticed, like, it recommended him as my friend, which I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't even think that this would happen. And it was upsetting in the sense that it was like, I didn't realize how many mutual friends we had in common. Mm. And I, I wanted to, like, contact all of them and just be like, you should know. And, of course, I didn't 
because it's like what would be the point of that right you know but sometimes you get into that irrational that's the thing about like aftermath of sexual assault is that there's like the rational part of you and then there's the complete vengeance-based irrational Mm. part of you that is just like fuck you you know and gets really angry and upset and it's like always trying to keep like a corral on that it's like always trying to keep a lasso on those like feelings Mm -hmm. but at the same time trying to acknowledge them it's like how much anger do you allow yourself to have when do you pull back so I blocked him Mm -hmm. which is like it's weird because it's like you go to my block list and his like name is there it's always weird you know it's always strange and then the same thing happened with Twitter and then I was like I was like when it happened with Twitter I was a little bit more like okay whatever like it wasn't as like upsetting but there was like a time where I would infrequently look him up on like social media and it was just sheerly like to just stew in anger like it wasn't because I'm like oh I'm in love with him or something stupid like that like it was always just like to see if he was doing terribly Mm -hmm. or and I felt really like bad about it and then I talked to a counselor about it and I was like this makes me feel really fucked up that I like do this Mm -hmm. you know I feel really weird that I do this Mm -hmm. like I don't think it like I do it late at night you know when I'm feeling really bad Mm -hmm. and it's like this indulgence thing that I do and I feel really shitty and -hmm. it doesn't make me feel good and it doesn't like bring me any closure or peace and I feel bad that I'm doing it like I feel like I'm regressing or something Mm -hmm. and she was like well I don't think you can be blamed for looking this person up because you can at any time that's the world we live in you can look him up at any time and he is a somewhat public figure so it's not like he you can't find him And she's like, if someone has had, like, a really big impact on your life, of course you're curious about them. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who they were. If Mm -hmm. it was a good thing or a bad impact, it it doesn't matter. It's like, you are still curious about them. Yeah, like, I've looked up shitty boyfriends lots of times. Shitty ex-boyfriends. For sure, I've looked them up to just, like... Yeah, I don't know. Or just curiosity. Yeah, out of curiosity. Part of you probably hopes they're... (laughs) they look old and fat and they're doing shitty and yeah yeah totally and I totally felt good when like I saw my rapist recent pictures and he looked awful like I totally and that's just not me just like saying that he looks like shit yeah and it's like well I mean living with himself all these years can't be good but it's just like it gave me like a weird sense of like satisfaction I guess that's just like you want to be bigger than that but but how can you not you know but the internet is so easy it's right there. And I felt really bad about it. And talking to the counselor made me feel better. But also, the other thing, too, was that um, a story that I heard on Joe Rogan's podcast about a guy who was molested when he was in camp, when he was, like, a kid. by a, like a, He was, like, 13, and, like, this counselor was, like, 19, 20, like, too old, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and was, uh, like, abused him. Mm-hmm. And he says that now... Like, this was an anecdote told by someone else, so yes. this wasn't directly, but he says that this guy is now an adult, mm-hmm. very much so, but he thinks about this guy every single day, and, like, like follows him on LinkedIn, and, like, wants him dead, like, just thinks about him all the time, and, like, looks him up on social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And even though it doesn't make me feel good that, like, to know someone else is, like, that upset about, like, what happened to them, or carries that much pain, it made me feel a little bit better to know that, like, they do, like, the same fucked up shit that I do. Yeah, at, when I was um, when I was probably I was in grade eight maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're what thirteen, fourteen maybe? 
Yeah, I was 13 in grade 8. Yeah, okay, so about 13. Um, People are turning 14. Yeah, turning 14. So we went on a class trip um, to Canada's Wonderland, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there had to be some adults coming along on the trip, Um, and I guess just there weren't enough teachers or whatever, so someone someone's older brother was there and older brother's friend. So these two older guys were there Mm -hmm. and they were in university. They're adults. They're adults essentially. And, um, the brother's friend was like flirting with me all day, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was into it. Like I was like a cute older guy. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? You know, giving me attention. At, like, basically the time in my life when I needed it most and wanted it most. Like, really craved it down to the core of me. Like, attention. And good attention. you're most insecure when you're in middle school, right? And he, like, no assault, physical assault or anything ever came out of it. But he would come to my place of work a lot. Like, I was volunteering at a, um, I was doing a volunteer placement. Like, okay. for, for grade eight, you had to do a number of volunteer hours or something sure. for, for some reason. Um, and I was volunteering somewhere, and he would come to that workplace mm. and leave me presents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got my phone number from, like, his friend's younger brother, who was my, someone I went to school with, like, got my phone number. Mm-hmm would leave me messages, all this stuff, like, but when you, when I think back, and, like, I would just ignore him, essentially, and I would, I didn't engage him beyond that. I think one time I was at my friend's house, and he was there, Yeah. and he kissed me at one point. Hmm. Like, he kind of walked me out of the house, and he kissed me at one point, and I felt really weird about it. Yeah. Like, I, I was... I think I was still into it. I was still into it, I'm sure. It's confusing. But I was confused about it, and afterwards, then, when he kept trying to contact me and stuff like that, I was, like, very confused and weird. And then I was able, at that point, to have some perspective on it. Like, oh, this guy is, like, old. This guy's an adult, essentially. He shouldn't have any interest whatsoever. Yeah, and thankfully, it just went away. Like, he got the hint that I was ignoring him and stuff like that, but... When you think back, it was like, that dude was an adult, and I was a kid. And he was after you. Yeah, and he wanted it, yeah. And Which is really, really unsettling, because it's like, you think yourself as an adult, I think myself as an adult, I would have no interest whatsoever. In a 13-year-old. Fuck no. Or anyone underage. Why would I want? Like, he at the very youngest was 19. Why would the you very youngest want, at 19, I did not want to have a 13-year-old boyfriend or girlfriend. It's insane, really. It is insane. It's insane. And it's, um, it's sad. It makes me wonder because the person who, who raped me, he was a boyfriend. So it was in the context of a relationship. But he told me one time about an experience he had had, um, at camp. Once again, at fucking camp. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, I guess because parents aren't around. Yeah, right. They're not around. And you're expected to be cared for. He was like 13, 14 at the oldest. And he talked about this female camp counselor that had sexually assaulted him, basically. I mean, he tried to put it in the context of, oh, I liked it, and it was an affair. And it was like, it's not an affair. She was a grown-up. She was like 21, and you were 13. Why would she want anything to do with you? You know, the fact that she 
they didn't have full-on sex, but it didn't matter because it was, like, still wildly, wildly inappropriate. Like, she should have, you know, gone to jail for it type shit. Mm -hmm. And she pursued him, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't like, hey, and... He tried to make it sound like, oh, no, 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 I, I really liked it and everything. And it was like, well, this doesn't stop it from being incredibly inappropriate. And inc- it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Like, you were underage. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that led to his behavior later on. Who's to say? I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I mean, they say sometimes that, like, people who are abused at a younger age, they grow up to become Abusers. predators. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I... I guess it depends on the person. It depends on their biology. Like, I feel like the person who raped me was, like, a, a genuine sociopath. Yeah. You know, like, he really hurt a lot of people. Like, he... I never really knew what a sociopath was until I met him. Mm-hmm. And the way that a sociopath looks at people is they look at them as objects. They look at them as things. They look at them as, what does this thing do for me? Mm. And if you don't do anything for them, then they ignore you. Mm. And if you do something for them, then they use you. So they look at everything as an object. You know what I mean? And what can I get from it? From it. Exactly. And then once it has lost its value, I throw it away. Mm-hmm. I don't need it anymore. And if it, it it never regains its value. So it's like, that's a really, you know, that's the thing that he, I mean, he was a sociopath. I can just, I can say genuinely, like he had no empathy for anybody and was very cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the way he was able to do well, he was abusive. He was able to be abusive for so long. So, and he was your boyfriend? He was my boyfriend mm-hmm. for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I met him, I met him about nine years ago, and he was 15 years older. Wow. So, once again, so, so once wildly, again. wildly older. Why would a 37-year-old man have anything to do with a 21-year-old girl? Um, 22, actually. He's been married twice. He is a Paralympian athlete, so he's in a wheelchair, which makes the story even weirder, Mm -hmm. and was one of the reasons that I held back on telling the story for so long, because I thought that people would not believe me, straight up, like, they'd be like, how can a guy in a wheelchair assault you? Assault you. He's an athlete. He spends eight hours a day in the gym. Wow. Punching things. Wow. So. So, so, yeah, he can. Yeah, he has, he's way stronger than me. Doesn't matter if he's in a wheelchair or not, and he's just way more... He's just bigger and stronger and more violent. That's the other thing, too, is the the propensity for violence. It's like, how can someone do that to another person? Because they're violent. Because they have an ability to overpower another person. Mm -hmm. You know, they want... If you want to harm somebody, you can hurt them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how they're able to. So we dated for... um, We dated for... It was a little bit over a year. And... During that time period, I didn't realize that at the time that he was very emotionally abusive. Hmm. He wasn't physically abusive, but he was emotionally extremely abusive. Like, he was just putting me down all the time. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, devaluing me. Very disrespectful. Like, he just was he just was a shitty person. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like... I didn't realize I was being emotionally abused. I just thought I was... I had such a low self-esteem that I was like, oh, I'm just shitty. I'm just shitty. And everything he says is right about me. And then about... A year, a little over a year into our relationship, we went out one night, and 
we went to this bar, this very fancy martini bar, mm -hmm. and he has a business, and he was there with his business partner and some other, like, financiers. Mm -hmm. And I was always, like, expected to be kind of like a geisha, like, I always had to dress up. He was always insisting that I dress up and insisting that I wear makeup. The arm candy. Yeah, I was always arm candy, and I was, you know, expected to entertain and stuff like that, like, you know, be, like, bubbly and entertain everybody. And so we were at this really fancy bar, and he was buying... He has a lot of money, and he was buying all these drinks and everything, and we were drinking at this martini bar. I was sitting between him and his business partner, hmm. and just out of nowhere, I was just sitting, and I was just looking across the bar, and then suddenly I'm like, wait a second, that glass isn't supposed to be in the air, and he had taken a martini glass, and he threw it at his business partner, just out of nowhere, and it shattered at the guy's feet, and the a piece of glass like kind of bounced off the floor and sliced the guy's hand open. Whoa! And the guy was like, "What the fuck?" And he was holding his hand out, and he was bleeding onto the floor, like he needed stitches. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, what the fuck? And so we hustled out of there really fast. You know, there's blood everywhere, glass, like, and that's just what he was like. Like, he would just have these outbursts. And he was laughing, like he was laughing like a maniac. Mm -hmm. And we got outside, and him and his business partner were screaming at each other. And then his business partner just turned around and, and went away. It was like fuck you, and like fucked off. And I was like, it was just all this chaos, <laughs> and which was typical. Which mm. was typical. He was notorious for starting scenes. He would just start fucking scenes, and then we would have to hustle our asses out of wherever we were <laughs> and get get out. And he was like come on, we're going home. And I'm like, no, we've been drinking. Like, you're drunk. Like, you're really drunk. Like, he was an, he became an alcoholic. Like, he drank way too much. And I was like, no, you can't drive. You're drunk. And he just grabbed me by the wrist, and he was like, we're going. And he yanked my wrist really hard. And I was like, okay. Like, I just did everything he said. Like, I just was completely compliant with everything he said. And I got into the car, and I felt so shitty for getting into a car with a drunk driver, because I'm like, we're going to kill somebody. We're going to kill ourselves. And it's all my fault. It's yeah. all my fault. And it's and I should know better. Because even though I've been drinking, I should know better. Like, I know better. I've never gotten in a car with a drunk driver in my life. So we drove home. He drove like a maniac. The whole time, I had my hands over my eyes because I was just so convinced that we were going to have an, a, a crash. And I was like, I don't want to see the impact. Like, that's all I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to see the impact. And so we drove and we finally got to his place. Like, I had my hands over my eyes the whole time just going, oh, no, oh, no. Like, I just was, like... Petrified. Petrified. And then finally the car stopped. And he's like, we're here. I told you I could drive. And I was like, oh, my God, this is... Like, oh I just God. knew it was bad. I knew it was bad. And he lived kind of far away. So he lived in kind of a remote area where it wasn't super easy to get a cab or whatever. And I was like, you could go home now something's wrong, like, something's really weird, like, this is really strange, like, he had been, a vi like, he had been violent to other people, like, I had seen him be a maniac, but he had never at that point, like, really been violent to me, like, he had been mean, but not, like, outright physically abusive, so he went back to his apartment, and I went in his condo, and I was in the bathroom, and I was just like, this is a really shitty night, you know, he cut up his business partner's hand, like, it's really weird, like, he's acting really strange, like, even stranger than usual, um, he's really drunk, I've been drinking, I'm not as drunk as him, but I've definitely been drinking, so let's just go to sleep, and then in the morning I'm just gonna go home. Mm -hmm. So I, I got out of the bathroom, and I laid on the bed, and he sat on the edge of the bed, and he was just staring at me, mm -hmm. and, like, just staring, like, really intensely at me, and I was like, let's just go to sleep, let's just go to sleep, come on, lay down. 
and he just was staring at me like super intensely and I was like why are you staring at me and he was just staring and he wouldn't say a word and then he started touching me like almost like he was petting me like I was like an animal or something mm -hmm. he started petting me and I was like what are you doing like why are you running your hands all over me and then he started lifting his hands off me and he started hitting me and he just started and then he just and then they just came like the hits just came like 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 it was a boxing match or something like it was just like pow 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 like just hitting me hitting me hitting me he was hitting me with closed fists like it was just I was trying to get up and he was pinning me back down he got on top of me like he sat on top of me mm -hmm. and had me pinned down and he mm -hmm. was very strong mm -hmm. and he was just like wailing on me and I just I was crying and I was screaming and like the walls are like concrete so like there's no way the neighbors could hear me and he kept shaking me like stop stop crying stop crying and then he he put his hands around my throat and he started strangling me and I lost consciousness wow. and then I woke up suddenly and I was like 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 gasping for air he had woken me up by hitting me and then he strangled me again and then I passed out again, and he just kept doing that. He just kept hitting me, and he kept strangling me, so I would lose consciousness, and he would wake me up, and I'd lose consciousness, and he'd wake me up over and over and over again. I don't know how long it went. And then at one point, I woke up, and he was on top of me, and he was he was raping me. Yeah. And at that point, I, like, I didn't even feel him. Like, he was just on top of me, and I was like, it was like the closest thing I've ever had to an out-of-body experience, because I felt like I was sitting across the room watching at this point, like watching him moving on top of me. Mm -hmm. And I just laid there. Because I was just defeated at that point. Mm -hmm. And he was on top of me. And he like finished. Mm -hmm. And he like yelled in my face. And then he was still on top of me. And that's when I realized I was shaking. Like I was shaking like violently. Mm -hmm. Like a like a tree in the wind. I was just like. Da -da -da -da, like, like my teeth were chattering. Mm -hmm. And he was on top of me. And he was, he was touching me. And he was saying. You know I, I, I really like that you're shaking. And I was what? like. And I was like. And I couldn't speak because I was just <clears throat> floored by everything that had happened. And he was like, I really like that you're... Sp that, and he's like, I want you to know that I'm going to do this again. Oh, and he's like, and you're going to take it. And you deserve it. And he's like, and it's going to get worse. And he's like, and I want you to say that you deserve it. So he made me say, I deserve it. And he's oh like, good, God. you deserve it. And then he just laid down beside me with his arm across my chest. Like he was holding on to me. And I just laid there and he just fell asleep. He just fell asleep like nothing had happened. Like, oh, what a tiring evening. And he fell asleep. And I just laid there underneath him. And I was so amazed that I was still alive. Because, like, during that whole ordeal, what, the thought that went through my head was, I'm going to die. This is it. Like, I'm going to die. Yeah, this, this is, is it. I was like, I always wondered how I was going to die. And this, this is, is it. it. This is how I die. And, yeah, it just went through my brain. And I was like, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm going to die. Like, he's trying to kill me. And he's a maniac. And he will kill me. He will. He, he's injured. He can. He will. He, and he's injured people. He's. I've seen him injure people, and I know he's capable of it. I know he can hurt people. Mm. I know he can break limbs. I know he could easily just snuff me out. Mm -hmm. And I was just laying there like, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. But it wasn't a, a joyful, good feeling. Like, it was like, oh, my God, I'm Disbelief. still alive. Disbelief, yeah. I'm still alive, and this person just raped me, and I'm in a relationship with him. What am I to do? What do I do? And what do I do? And I was so afraid to fall asleep because I was like, if I fall asleep, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm not going to be the same person. I'm like, this is it. Like, whoever I am right now is dying. This like, it is, is done. It is over. Like, that person has, is been, dead. has been killed. 
and is gone and is like fading away and I could feel myself changing like I could feel myself like something inside me is changing by this event like I can't survive this as myself and I I just was like coping mechanism yeah I was like I'm gonna die like this this has killed me like I have died so I was like trying to stay awake, trying to stay awake, and I remember looking out the window and seeing that there was like daylight coming through, mm-hmm. and seeing that there was this. I remember there was this branch on this tree, and it was rubbing against the like um, the the window. It was just like like scraping, and I was just staring at it, and that was the last thing I saw before I just like I held on for so long to try to stay awake, and then I finally fell asleep. Like my body just gave out. Yes, and then I woke up, and. I was like sore and like my my voice was all weird because it was just like cuz he had been you know cuz he had choked me and stuff and I was covered in marks all over my body and like I was sore under between my legs like I was just like I was in so much pain and he said he looked at me and he said that was a pretty crazy night <sighs> and I was like what did he say I was like I don't remember saying anything I just was like yeah like, I barely talked. Like, I was like, yeah. I think that's all I said the entire morning was, yeah. Because he took me out, and I was just numb, and he just took me out for breakfast. And I just sat there, and he ordered me these pancakes. And I sat there staring at these pancakes, and I was like, I feel really sick, and I couldn't eat them. Mm-hmm. I was like, can you take me home? I'm like, I think I'm sick. And he's like, okay. And he seemed, like, kind of cautious around me. Like, he seemed kind of like, you know, hey, like... Not saying sorry. No. Nothing like that. Just mm-hmm. being kind of cautious, like I was going to fall over or something. And he took me home. I was never so happy in my life to see that shitty apartment again. I was like, I want to go home. I want to go home to that shitty apartment. I want to go home to my cat. And I went home and I just vomited for like hours. I vomited until I hit bile. Like there was just nothing in me. Like I was, I was vomiting almost blood. And then I... I just got under my covers, and I just, I slept for hours and hours. I don't even know. I was in shock. I was definitely, like, I can say I was in shock, because I was still shaking. Like, I felt cold. Like, I felt like I was freezing, and I, I had a shower with the lights off. I don't know why I turned the lights off. I just mm-hmm. wanted the lights off. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it was just, it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. And it was, and from that point on, like, very shortly after that, he broke up with me. And, um... Then a few, and I was devastated, because I thought I was still in love with him, I thought that I, like, the the whole event thing, I was like, I'm just going to pre- pretend that this never happened. Like, I said that to myself in my head, I'm like, I'm going to pretend that this didn't happen. I'm going to pretend that none of this happened, because I can't deal with it. I can't. How can I? And I don't want this to have happened to me. Like, I don't want to say I was raped. I don't want to say that someone beat me. I don't want to say someone tried to kill me. I don't want to live with that. So I'm not going to. I'm just going to pretend it didn't fucking happen. And it was like, yeah. Again, coping mechanism. Yeah, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done to just be like, oh, no, 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 it didn't happen. And then he got, we got back together because he contacted me and he was really, really nice to me. And he was like, there's something I have to tell you. And I was like, what? And he told me, this is where the story gets even more bizarre. Like, not only is the guy in a wheelchair who (laughs) raped me, (laughs) who I was in a relationship with, (laughs) who, by the way, is like, a motivational speaker wow. gets paid like six wow. figures wow. to talk to people about how to like sally <sighs> on after fucking tragedy you and stuff like that. Me. It's insane, right? It's in fucking sane. 
he call, contacts me and tells me he's sick. Mm-hmm. Tells me he's dying. And he, at that point, did have some sort of neurological issue and stuff like that. How serious it was, I'll never fucking know. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I believed him. Mm-hmm. And I was completely like, he was like, you know, he's all just like, I love you, I want to be with you. And he made it seem like in the last you know, I'm going to die, I only have a year left, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So he made me believe that he was dying, Mm -hmm. that he was so sick he was going to die, and that he, and he, he didn't want me to tell anybody, which of course is just him. Which, warning bell. Warning bell. But at that time I was so crazed. mm -hmm. I was so out of it. I Mm -hmm. was so, I didn't even realize how insane I was at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. I was just so traumatized by Mm -hmm. what had happened that I was like, yeah, sure. And then, a few months after we got back together, he um, told me that if I left him, he was going to kill himself. And Ugh. like my father committed suicide. So anytime anyone, so, so I take suicide really seriously. seriously. I mean, everybody does, but like, I mean, I was like, really? And then, so he, so we continued to date for like a couple years after that, but it wow. was like the most fucked up relationship because I can't ever say that I ever had consensual sex with him ever again. Wow. Like he continued to, he would rape me. Um, he would physically abuse me in other ways. He was extremely rough with me. Like, he would yank me by the hair, he'd grab me by the arm and stuff like that. Um, hit me in the face. Uh, choke me out when he was mad at me. Like, just put me in a fucking headlock and choke until me out. Until he passed out. Yeah, until he passed out. And um, anytime that I had sex with him where I didn't resist... I just laid there. Like, I just was like... And he would complain about that. He would say, like, having sex with you is so boring and all this shit. And I was like... I was like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I would say sorry for it. But it was like... I just was, like, dead inside. I was as dead inside as you could possibly imagine. So I just let him do whatever he wanted to me. Because I was just like, you're going to do what you want anyways. It's better if I don't resist. It's Mm -hmm. better if I just let you. It's easier, yeah. But I would hate it. Like, I hated it. Like, I just would just lay there and want it to end and just be like, I hate this. Like, I feel like a mannequin. Like, I feel like a sex doll. You know what I mean? Did you ever think of, like, how to get out? How do I get out of this? Yeah, and I didn't know how because I didn't know... Because I'm like, that would require me to tell people that I'm being abused. Mm -hmm. So I would rather just pretend like this is... It was just like... It was like I put a veneer over everything. It was like I just put this fantasy over everything that mm-hmm. no 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 this is a relationship it's a consensual relationship because i didn't want to admit that i was in an abusive relationship i didn't want to admit that so denial's happening De- massive denial massive if you had asked me back then if you had said to me you were raped you're being raped you would say no 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 and it was like of course i'm being raped like of course like i didn't want to have anal sex with him but he would make me and I would just take it because mm-hmm. I was just like, well, if I fight him off, he's going to choke me out. Wow. Like, that's what he'll do. And then eventually, and he would just come in and out of my life. Like, he would not talk to me for like a month. Mm. And I would not know where he was. And I would think he had died. I would think he's gone off somewhere and killed himself. And then he would just appear again and be like, what's your problem? Why are you sending, why are you, you know, why are you leaving so many messages on my voicemail? <laughs> and I was like, I thought we were in a relationship here. Dude, and then he would just kind of come back and forth, and then he'd be all like, I need you, and stuff like that, and then eventually, it just got to a point where we sort of got back together for a little while, and he was just being a dick, and uh, I was like, I can't do this anymore, and it wasn't like a big, like, 
you know, R-E-S-P-C-T type breakup. <laughs> it was just kind of like a, I can't do this anymore. And he was like, okay, fine. And really? I think, I think he just felt like, oh, I abandoned him or something. And it was like, abandoned you? Like, abandoned you for what? So I could have fucking life again? But it took me years to, like, after that point, to, like, really acknowledge that I had been raped. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had asked me during that interim, had, have you been raped? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. No, never. But I knew I was lying. Like, it was always there. It was always at the cusp. It was always around the edges. Like, you know that you were. Like, what was that? Mm-hmm. Like, just because it was in the context of a relationship, just because you had some sort of consensual sex with him afterwards, doesn't mean that, like, there weren't times when he obviously forced himself on you. Mm-hmm. You know? And he beat me. I mean, and and I would let him have sex with me because... And I didn't... I got no enjoyment out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Like, I hated it. And it wasn't that so much that I hated it. It was like, it's like, I have to do this because he'll choke me out. Mm-hmm. He'll choke me out and he'll hit me and he'll be mean to me. And he won't talk to me for a month. And if you had sex with him, would it be over? Mm-hmm. Like, if I have sex with him, I can go to sleep or whatever. Exactly. He won't bother me. He won't bother me anymore. I can put my clothes back on and he won't bug me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, I can go home. Mm-hmm. I can leave. Or I can, this can stop. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I just let him. And I was just, I was just, he's like, when I have sex with you, it feels like you're not even there. I'm not, man. I'm not. I've totally checked out. I'm thinking of other things. Anything to get me through this. Yeah, because I don't want to be here. I don't want you to do this to me. You've shut me down. You shut me down. Like, there's nothing in me anymore, you know? And I was not interested in sex for a long time because I was just like, fuck that noise. I bet. You know, I was like, I can't get into this. Why can't I get, I, I can't get into this, you know? It's, it's crazy, and I just felt such a disconnect from my own body. I know a lot of rape victims say that, but mm-hmm. it's like, it really does shut you down. Like, it really does, like, it's like it pulls a wire out, you know. So what did you then start to do? When the, did the healing process start for you? The big turning point was I was, I was, I was an agoraphobic. I became an agoraphobic, so agoraphobia is, like, fear of open spaces, fear mm-hmm. of crowds. Mm-hmm. I've always had social anxiety, mm-hmm. and it just... But I've managed it. Mm-hmm. Like, I've managed to do things and go out and have friends and do shit. Mm-hmm. After that shit happened, I became an agoraphobic. I became very paranoid. And there were times after him and I broke up where I w- went out and I saw him in public. And it was, like, traumatizing. Wow. Because I didn't expect to see him. And, and I realized, oh, my God, like, we live in the same city. I could see him anytime. Anywhere. Like, and I was so out of my mind with PTSD and I was so out of my head with just trauma that I started to, like when I would walk down the street, if I saw a car that looked like his, I would just (sighs) panic. So I would try to take different routes to get to places. And then it just, I just shut down. It just devolved. I devolved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was in a really shitty, horrible place. And I was like, this isn't my life. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. This isn't my life. Like, I'm not supposed to be this shell of a human being who has nothing to show for herself. And at that point, I was still heavily denying the trauma. And I was getting sick a lot. And I was, like, every couple months, I would get, like, an infection, or I would get the flu, bronchitis, you name it. Like, I was just a magnet for shit. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was just like, I have a shitty immune system, I Mm -hmm. guess. And it was probably, it was just because I was so grief stricken, you know, I was Mm -hmm. so emotionally stressed, stressed out. And I was so afraid. So I was heavy into that. And I was like, I want to get out. How do I get out? So I started, I I wanted to learn how to meditate. 
because I was like, I know that you can meditate anywhere, anytime. I'd heard somewhere in a, like a documentary about like prisoners and how they meditate, because you can meditate anywhere. You can do yoga anywhere, you know. So they learn how to meditate because you can transcend your prison cell. I was like, I want to transcend my prison cell. Mm. So I got a book called um, Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn, and it's it's a well-known book. It teaches people how to meditate. And it's, the philosophy is you can meditate anywhere. You don't have to have a specific religion or dogma or whatever. So I followed the book, and it's an eight-week program of meditation. It teaches mm-hmm. you how to meditate. So I read along with it, and I was following it. And I was feeling pretty good about that. And then I read a story in the book, and it was about one of the women who had been part of this program of his, this pioneering program. Mm-hmm. And she was a woman who, um, her name was Mary, and she had... Um, multiple health issues, chronic health problems through her whole life, decades of health issues. She had had, and she had a heart problem. And I had just recently been diagnosed with like a a heart issue. And she said that during meditation, she was having a hard time getting in touch with like her own body because they ask you to like relax every part of your body. And she always had this hard time, like with her lower body, like with her pelvis and stuff like that. Like she felt very uncomfortable, like getting in touch with like her lower body. And then she sort of delved into it a little bit more. And the more she did the practice, she had to come to terms with the fact that she had been raped. So she was very out of touch with her body, and therefore her body was like a battlefield. And therefore her body was susceptible to anything and everything, which was all these you know, chronic ailments that she was experiencing, all this pain. And when I read that, I, ba- I just broke down. I just broke down and cried. And because I was like, I knew that it was like, this is why I'm like this. This is why I'm fucked up. This is why I'm trying to do this meditation stuff because I'm fucked up because of what happened to me and I can't pretend that it didn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. I've never told anybody. I've denied it. At that point, you hadn't told one other person. Nobody. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. So I contacted my boyfriend at the time and I told him and he was very understanding and then I was like, the next step is I have to tell my family. So I called my mom and I told her And I didn't get into specific details, but I told her. And in telling her, because I was like, that's the way out. Like, that's the beginning of the way out, is is to acknowledge it with her. Because if I tell her, Mm. then it's like, you know, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest deal. deal. It's the biggest deal. It's the biggest deal. And it's Mm. like, so once once I start with that, that's the way out. And then after that, things started to really change. And I can't say that I don't struggle with it, because I still do, because it's, it's monumental. Mm-hmm. It's huge trauma. You know, yeah. you can't be raped for years and not, like, you know, carry. Some of it still. Yeah, like, I still I still struggle with agoraphobia. I still struggle with PTSD. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's learning to overcome it, and it's gotten a lot better. And, like, my inner rhetoric has changed significantly. So it's, like, the way I feel about myself and the way I relate to the world is drastically different than how it was when I was even just first starting to recover. And what helped you do that? Um, time. Mm-hmm. The first acknowledgement, the acknowledgement mm-hmm. that it happened mm-hmm. was big. And then the continuing of meditation, mm-hmm. acknowledging that and did letting you sp- myself... Did go- you speak with a professional? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And I still do. Yeah. So I didn't go to like a... Because I went to my doctor and I was like, I've got all this shit i got to deal with. Mm. What do I do? I'm like, I can't really afford to like go see a therapist who's mm. just going to like, you know, get me through all this shit. It's like, what do I do? And she's like, well, I can put you on a waiting list mm-hmm. for a therapist, but it could take a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like they can take years. And she's like, but she told me about this center, the Gerstein Center, and it's a crisis center. 
So she's like, try getting in touch with them and see if they have anything available to you. So I call them whenever I'm having like a problem or a crisis and I've called them and talked to them about my rape and about how to cope with it and they just over the phone just over the phone and it's like they're there and it's free and it's like amazing and I called rape I spoke last week with a rape crisis counselor Mm because I called a group uh, in Toronto Mm -hmm. actually it was Newmarket I called the wrong number but they were very nice (laughs) and they directed me to Toronto I was just like help and they were like I was like I'd really like to speak to someone and they were like yeah we can set you up with a counselor Mm -hmm. so they did Mm -hmm. So I spoke to someone and it's just about now it's about like just specific issues. Like now it's about like just if I have specific problems, like sp- specific issues, like um, I didn't realize because it, it's a it's a journey. It's a time. It's a once you acknowledge what's happened to you, mm-hmm. that will open you up to exploring all that's in there, all that's all that's a part of being raped. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's things that I'm still discovering about the way I feel about it so it's like just last week I was speaking with rape rape crisis counselor and someone who specializes in this over the phone and Mm -hmm. I had come to the realization that I felt a great deal of guilt and the reason that I felt guilt was because I had never reported him to the police and even though it's like I couldn't have reported him to the police for a variety of reasons because he has a shit ton of money he his lawyer is like one of the most powerful lawyers in Canada I know that um, I don't have any money. He would dis- he would disseminate me in court. Like, he would just destroy me. And I had had a consensual relationship with this person. I've had a history of depression. You know, there's just, there's just, there's nothing Too I could do. Too much stacked against Too you to go that route. And, I, and I've spoken also, because I did count, I did, for my own peace of mind, I contacted a rape crisis center, and I was like, can I speak to someone about the legalities? Like, can I do anything? Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, sure. And so I spoke to someone, and they were just very honest and said, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just wanted to make sure it was really hard. Because I just wanted, I just needed to know that I couldn't explore that avenue. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the guilt was associated The guilt was associated with the fact that If he re-assaulted, like, or Someone else. Re-offended. Yeah. And he probably has and that's a heavy thing to live with. Mm-hmm. But I've had to... One of the biggest things that I've learned in this whole, if you want to call it journey, mm-hmm. is that... And it applies to everything. It applies to every part of, like, just being people. Is that I don't... You don't, You do not control the actions of other people. No, you, you don't. don't. Mm-hmm. You think that you can. And you can have an influence sometimes in certain situations, but that really depends. But, for, but you do not control other people. Other people make their own fucking choices. And... As abominable as it is, it's like, the truth is, is that I couldn't have just, like, put a rapist behind bars. Mm -hmm. I mean, also the guy's in a fucking wheelchair. Like, people just don't believe it. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And he's considered a hero. And as much as I would love to, like, take his ass down, I can't. You know? And so my healing has to come from a different place. It can't be a place of Vengeance and justice. I I won't get justice for it. Mm -hmm. Um... Not in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Not in a court of law. And that's something that I have to, like, just know. Because rape is illegal, right? Yes. And it's it's a shame to think that, like, someone could do something that like that to you and still be able to... And get to, away with it. To, to be free. Mm-hmm. To not be punished in any way. Like, you know, because, like, you can get out of jail eventually for serving a rape charge, mm-hmm. but, you know, the stigma... And the fact that you're a felon, you know, for being a rape, 
A sex offender. A sex offender is will. It's huge, yeah. Carry and you are a sex offender. You'll be a registered sex offender. Mm-hmm. You have to stay away from people. Mm-hmm. People will want to stay away from you unless they're. But it's mm-hmm. like, no one knows this about him unless they get that close, and they have to be so close to him to know that that they will probably be assaulted themselves. So I carried a lot of guilt, and I didn't realize that I had had that guilt for a long time. And I thought, well, how can I ever be a good person if? I didn't do anything about it or I didn't call him out. And I was like, well, what other kind of justice can I get? Like, I can't, I can't, like, I could go on Twitter and call him out, but then I'll just be crazy. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll just be the crazy ex-girlfriend who's calling him out for shit. Mm -hmm. Like, what could it possibly do? And then I'll have him in my fucking grill again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get involved in that again. So overcoming it has to involve not having that. (laughs) And that's something that I just have to accept. The acceptance of not being able to do the, all that. I can't. I can't. And so that was something that I didn't realize that I carried that guilt. But I wouldn't have known that unless I had finally accepted that I had been raped. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that this person did this against me. And that, you know, that's what happened. That's really what happened, you know? So what um, what do you hope in the future for yourself and your healing over this trauma? Like, what, oh, what do you do going forward? Well... What's left to do, I guess? I guess I want to continue, you know, overcoming my agoraphobia, mm-hmm. um, which I do through Gerstein. Mm-hmm. They have agoraphobia, they have groups for people who have agoraphobia, and you just like go out together and stuff and chill. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. It's and pretty it's nice. Gerstein? Yeah, Gerstein Center. There's the two of them in the city. They, they are for anybody with any mental health issues. So that's depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. Um, PTSD, addiction, they let you, they have, it's all free services. Mm -hmm. They have a number of different things. They have group therapy, they have one-on-one counseling, call them if you're in a crisis. Um, you can go there if you need to and stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in a crisis, it's Mm -hmm. a very nice facility. They're very open. They're very welcoming and compassionate people. They need more money. I hope someone does a fucking fundraiser because mm-hmm. they are amazing people. There's the Schleifer Clinic, mm-hmm. which is specifically for women who have been sexually assaulted, either mm-hmm. historically or present, or women who are in abusive situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a number of different places. There's the Ra- Toronto Rape Crisis Center, mm-hmm. so you can call them. They are also a physical facility, so you can go in for like legal counseling, physical counseling if you just need to speak to somebody um and if worse comes to worse you can just google you know rape crisis that sort of thing i'd like to i'd like to get to a place where i figure out better how to deal with my anger Mm -hmm. because sometimes i don't know what to do with it because i still feel angry towards him yeah and sometimes i hear people talk about forgiveness and i don't know if i'll ever be able to forgive him but sometimes i wonder if that's a part of it like Mm -hmm. if forgiveness is important i don't know if i'll ever be able to forgive him but i want to i want to know i want to explore that option Mm -hmm. how to be less angry yeah at least if not totally forgive then yeah what do i I do with this anger i want to explore that option because sometimes i think if i don't forgive him can i never move on but i have moved on in a a big way Mm -hmm. but sometimes i wonder is that a key element is that like the final piece i don't know if it is or not that question remains to be seen i'm floored by people who can forgive their rapists i'm floored by it i admire them deeply Mm -hmm. um but i don't i don't know if i if that's for me or not Mm -hmm. so i think that it'll just be a matter of dealing with anger 
and dealing with because I, I don't have anger issues like I don't lash out at people or anything mm-hmm. like that it's no, just I a wouldn't... feeling that I have in mm-hmm. myself yeah like being your friend I would never <laughs> yeah. label you as a Leah's an angry person no I'm not no, an angry person not, not in a million years I'm not an angry yeah. I used to be I did over this but I want to keep controlling it and keep learning to move on I want to get to a point where I can man the phone lines at one point and have someone call I want to work for, you know, Toronto Rape Crisis at some point. Wow. And have yeah. people call me. Not professionally. I just want to do it as a volunteer, volunteer. position. Yeah. So I can help other people. Because I think that would be totally full circle. And that would be really gratifying. And that would be really... I think that that's the way to give back. Because hmm. I do... Now that I've reached this point, it's like I want to give back to people and try to help other people. Um, and I bet that would only continue to help you with your own healing absolutely, as well. Absolutely, for sure. That. So I think that, that's, that that to me is a goal. I don't know how long it will take to get to that point because I don't feel like I'm there yet. I don't feel like I'm at that point where I could listen to someone else talk about what they've gone through and like be really, really strong for them. Because mm-hmm. um, I know that that's what I need. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need someone collapsing on the phone line, right? So it's like... <laughs> yeah. So... It's like, if I can get to that point, I'd be really happy, but I don't know how long it'll take, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's totally okay. Maybe another thing that's just going to take time. Yeah, and that's fine, and I'm totally cool with that. It's a goal, and I know that I'll get there, just like I've gotten everywhere else, mm-hmm. but I know that that's, that's, like, the big goal. Awesome. To get to that point where I can, like, help other people in a really substantial way. Awesome. You know, so that would be... I hope that for you, too. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be good. That would be uh, good. So listen, we're we're at time. We're pretty over time, to tell you the I truth. Imagine. It's a lengthy tale. It's a lengthy tale. It's a but lengthy that's okay. Tale. That's totally okay. Um, I want to provide everyone with all the links to all the resources sure. uh, that you were talking you. about. Yeah. I would love to do that. Uh, I want to thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for allowing so me to much. talk. So much. Yeah. Like, so much, Leah. You're, you're great, amazing. You know yes. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I love you too. And very very brave and awesome thing that you did telling us all about your story well i if it you know it's it's important for other people to know that they're not alone that it goes on all the time big time and uh unfortunately and the only way to like keep keep it it's it's important to tell your story if you can yeah i agree 100 percent. no matter what whatever in whatever way that you can even if it's just to someone else it's just to someone in your life like, you don't have to go on a podcast. You don't yeah, have yeah, to write yeah. about it. Like, I blogged about it recently and stuff. And Good. it's like, it, you can't, if you can't get to that point, like, you That's can still okay. tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Just talk about it. Talk about talk it with your friend it. or your family or something like that. And just tell your full story. Or even just call one of the rape crisis centers and tell your full story. Because they'll listen. Mm-hmm. And they want you to talk. Mm-hmm. And they're there for it. So just get your story out no matter yeah. what. Talk, talk, talk. Yeah. Like That's it. important. It's important. Love don't it. Keep silent. Yeah. Everyone, this is Leah Lorenowitz. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks me. again. Right. It's you. Yeah. And I'm Erin Pym. This has been the Bedpost Podcast. Check back often because we release a new episode every Friday. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the Bedpost stage show, uh, it runs at the Social Capital Theater. Our next, thanks Leah, <laughs> our next show is uh, actually on a Thursday, not on a Friday like it usually is. It is the two-year anniversary show, the 23rd, it's a Thursday of March. Uh, for more information on everything Bedpost, please visit us on Facebook or on Instagram. And lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Stephanie Copeland, who can be reached on Facebook or at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com.